So we will be ready to roll with episode six. Wow, six episodes. All right, here we go. Hello, everyone. Welcome to... What is this? The Batman Universe special? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> There's too many podcasts we've been on lately. Okay, here we go. Try it again. Check me out. I'm Robin, the boy wonder. Are you kidding me? This rocks. Come on, old man. We've got bad guys and me chasing. This is the best day of my life. You think you did. You don't know him like I do. He manipulates, pulls strings, anything to get what he wants. I thought we had the same goals. Things change. I changed. The game's over, Batman. I quit. What's the matter? Lost for words? Expected more. I'm hurt. Joker sent me the film. I saw him kill you. Don't you dare lie to me! How long did you wait before replacing me, huh? A month? A week? I trusted you! And you just left me to die! That's not what happened. You always told me, Bruce, focus on what I want to achieve, and it'll happen. Yeah! We did it! We aced him! I set him up, you take him out. One, two, huh, Batman? Ugh. You'll be fine. Of course I will. You trained me. I'm impressed. What can I say? I'm irresistible. The Batman Universe Specials proudly presents Batman and Robin Eternal Podcast a monthly podcast dedicated to the weekly DC comic series Batman and Robin Eternal, taking a look and celebrating at the 75-year history of the Robin character. And now, please welcome Rob, Terrence, Ian, and Luke for the Batman Universe specials Batman and Robin Eternal. What's your name? Carrie. Carrie Kelly. Robin. Don't look so stunned, Father. I thought you'd be taller. This was yours? Still is. Keep your hands off it, kid. Is this what you wore in training? It's what I wore when I went on patrol. The only thing it's missing is lace trim and a sun hat. You don't fool me. I know what you're thinking. You're thinking you could be Robin. Well, you can't. I don't need some insipid costume in a bird name. I'm way beyond your kind of simplistic training, as you saw tonight. Don't forget, you lost that fight. Hello everyone, welcome to episode 6 of the Batman and Robin Eternal, brought to us by the Batman Universe Specials. Real long name here for you. You know what it is, it's Batman and Robin Eternal. We're back again, we're taking a look at five books so we can kind of complete writer's story arcs here as we get ready to go in to the final three books um, a month from now, if we can believe we're all the way through 23 issues of Batman and Robin Eternal, and I think this has just flown by really, really fast. And we've got everybody returning tonight. We've got Terrence. How are you doing tonight, sir? I'm doing great here, and, and you know, two quick things. It's good to have Luke back, too, because I feel like I haven't talked to Luke forever because I think <laughs> he missed a couple that I was on, and I missed a couple that he was on. So I think I haven't talked to him maybe since the first or second one. Yeah. And this is the uh, last time we'll all talk without seeing Batman v Superman. Next time we talk, we'll have <laughs> all seen it, hopefully. And uh, so it's kind of exciting that that's coming up. Yeah, that's a good placeholder to know that uh, I didn't even think of it that way. By the time we finish this story, 
we'll probably have a little bit to say about the movie we all saw. So that'll be really cool. Uh, my biggest um, my biggest thing is I wonder how many of the characters that are in Batman and Robin Eternal will be in or get a mention in oh, yeah. Batman v Superman. Will we hear the name? You know, Dick Grayson or Tim Drake or Jason Todd or you know, it, it should be good. If we if we hear Stephanie Brown, Ian will faint. Yeah. <laughs> yes, they, they will have to carry me out of the theater. <laughs> so, with that being said, Ian, how are you doing tonight, sir? I'm doing pretty well. Got all my my comics read and my blog posts written. Excellent, Luke. It's really good to have you back on tonight, sir. How are you doing? Yeah, yeah good, gentlemen. It's it feels good to be back. I, I have kind of overwhelmed with events with stuff going on but yeah i felt bad not being able to uh, to chat with you guys so it's good to get back into it yeah i feel like i've been uh, keeping up with you like i've been watching your youtube channel and it's like you've been talking about the this as you've been on uh, your channel so i feel like you've been part of the conversation but not i'm like oh yeah he talked about that then i would look back at the show and go no he's missed the last couple so it's uh, great to have you back on uh with the five books that we have tonight we'll be taking a look at batman and robin eternal obviously but they will be books uh 19 through 23 so there's a lot to go over tonight this won't be a total page-by-page page recount, or we're going to be here till uh, Justice League Part 2 movie comes out. <laughs> so this will just be more of an overview. Hopefully everybody has read their comics by this point, and we're going to just kind of go through and hit uh, some of the bullet points and things that we like here. 19... Uh, uh, first of all, all these covers, uh, with the exception of, I think, 20, I thought was kind of bland. But the last set of covers I thought have just been fantastic. This one uh, was a decent cover. It's kind of nice uh, seeing the different members of the Bat family appear um, on the cover. And it was really kind of cool to see uh, Jason get a front and center um, look at his, uh, with Red Hood being on the front cover, that we don't see too much in the Batman and Robin uh, Eternal series, and back are the blades of uh, dangerousness <laughs> on his <laughs> arms here, and uh, seeing, um, you know, all the action that's going on here. What'd you guys think about this uh, first cover here? Let's start with uh, Terrence. Well, I have a question because I have not been reading Grayson, so I don't really know what's going on. So these people he's fighting—is this like a a thing from Grayson? These pe- yeah. these people in the school, or I I don't know. They didn't really. Unless I missed it, really explain them, and then they just kind of pop up, and then there's more of them. So, somebody who reads Grayson, please tell me what what are those yeah. things? Yeah, you have to go way back, like way back early into the run where uh, he's. Uh, I mean, they're at the school. He's there. He was actually at the school. Uh, they're mentioning this issue, and it, it was kind of a play on. I think the funniest part is that uh, I kind of mention it or kind of talk about it. Yes. Yeah. Basically, something happened where basically he's frolicking around uh, the woods, uh, chasing down Helena, if I remember right. And it was actually these people <laughs> I, I talking that. about his button. He's like, oh, my Lord. But, yeah, he's actually – he was a teacher. I think, yeah, he was – was he what, the gym teacher or the actor? He is uh, a gym teacher with the false identity of a yeah. gay French gymnast. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, so that's basically they were students. Well, there's this specifically. There's a group of four girls who yeah. are like roommates or, or buddies, and they hang out. And a couple of the issues are from their perspective. And so seeing them here again, I thought was really nice. It was almost like Tim Seeley was writing a farewell to Grayson as well, since yeah. his last issue of Grayson also came out recently. And doesn't don't these? 
character types, don't they go clear back to Batman Incorporated? Yeah. With uh, Stephanie Brown Batgirl? Yeah. Yeah. This is the place that Stephanie infiltrated and the whole, the masks and the capes was part of their uniform. But when it got to Grayson, it it seems like it had been taken over by new management. Yeah. Um, what were some of the things in this issue um, that kind of struck? There, there's a lot going on in this issue. Like I said, trying to do a page-by-page recount. We're going to be here for a while. So I kind of want to throw it out to you guys um, of just everything that's going on. This is, if I'm remembering right, this is right as um, the the beacon has gone out that starts waking up all the kids, and they're using the fear toxin um, on... Um, the the teens uh, like uh, Red Robin and uh, Cassandra, so they're not under control. Or we've actually we've come out of that. No, it it does well, start in here. Yeah. Well, there's um, it's kind of a confusing thing about the first two issues we're looking at, and then the last two issues we're looking at. Um, the for these first two issues, it's sort of like Mother's launching a test attack, um, only on Spiral's headquarters. So this is not worldwide yet. That's right. That's right. And so Tim figures out that the Scarecrow's trauma toxin allows him to um, break through the the mind control signal. Um, And he gives it to himself and to Cassandra and to Harper. That's right. That's absolutely right. As I'm flipping through, I'm like, oh, I'm kind of remembering that now. Uh, Going back a a couple weeks is uh, jogging the old memory here. Um, It's nice to see the interaction of uh, Spiral... Uh, into the story here, which, you know, uh, I really think that uh, the Grayson book and this are really kind of companions in in some sort of way. If you're following the Grayson uh, book at all, this really kind of feels more of that um, and kind of feels more familiar. If you're not, it's not like I'm not totally out of the loop here. Um, but anyway, that's just <laughs> me. I would actually say that this book feels more like Grayson than Grayson has for the last several issues because yes. Grayson's been on this whole, he's like on the run from Spiral and he's trying to like fight Spiral. Whereas from, for the first year of Spiral's book, like it's only been around for a year and a half. So for the first year, Dick and Spiral were working together. And so this feels like that because he's working with Helena and he's, they have shared goals, and there's like this bond between Dick and Helen that I really like that I'm going to talk about when we get to book 20. But here in 19, uh, just to comment on the cover, I, I actually agree with you completely, Rob. I think that number 20 is a little lackluster, but number 19 is gorgeous with the sort of dark blue-purple background and then Jason's red hood and the round uh, mask. It's just like really nice shapes. Like This cover for 19 is think it's maybe my favorite it's tied with 23 i think yeah for my favorite color of these five yeah definitely um I know yeah I, and oh sorry no go ahead i was gonna say i it looks like the cover is done by the same interior artist paul and i probably mispronounced paul Pelletier. paul Pelletier, that was a good accent uh <laughs> and uh, i can't remember precisely where i've seen him before but i know i've seen that name before and i thought overall the art was really solid he did the, the first issue. He did the second and third issues of Batman and Robin Eternal. Gotcha. Um, I want to start with you, uh, Luke, uh, since you've uh, now come back to us for uh, these last couple. Uh, what were some of your thoughts, just for people that haven't heard you for a little bit, kind of leading up to uh, this and then currently in this issue, uh, kind of what you thought of it? 
Uh, going into nineteen or going in? Yeah, just kind of like a, a little, a little catch up for you. What some of your thoughts were? <laughs> oh, okay. Oh, yeah. yeah I see. Um, it, it's the series has been, I thought, on a good, good place. I mean, I always kind of, maybe not intentionally, but as like after I read each issue, I kind of reflect a little bit. It's like, okay, how was Batman Eternal at this point? I just, I just can't, for some reason, help but compare just how the series has been going. And if you look at it, we're basically what at uh, currently three issues left. So back mm-hmm. then, going into nineteen, we're, I mean, you're you're pretty much on the home stretch. So, and I kind of compare it to where Batman Eternal was. I think this is in a better place, in that the law points have been minimal. The story I thought has progressively gone on relatively well, and uh, much as I hate the six, I think Batman Eternal part of the story was the mystique was you know who was the big bad behind this, uh, this whole the whole story. This obviously you know who the big bad is, so you're kind of you're going through the last you know third of the story or quarter of the story, or whatever. It's more is is in how's this all going to play out and how, what are the implications going. Uh, after versus, you know, basically, <laughs> are they going to be able to, you know, make a ending where it kind of makes sense where, you know, every 10 issues you think you knew who the bad guy was and turn out to be not. So going into issue 19, I thought I just, this really is like, yeah, this, this series, while not perfect, is, is really in a good place and obviously been loving, uh, reading the issues every week. Uh, that said, into 19 specifically, like, and there's, oh man, it was just like, it, the only problem with reading these, sometimes you kind of get, kind of get lost in what issues specifically were certain things hinted at. And I don't think it was 19 where I was the, the, the origin of mother. Which one was that? 21 21 21 yeah. 21 I do remember at this point kind of saying hey I kind of wish we knew a little bit more about mother and if I had to critique the series other than where what the heck happened to Stephanie <laughs> yeah <laughs> speaking my language Luke <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's, I know we just especially for this issue you're like oh holy crap spoilers in it but yeah that was kind of like the only two major gripes I kind of had going into this was you know well, I wish we knew a little bit more about Mother. And then, you know, where the heck is Stephanie Brown? They basically went to Prague and just basically kicked her to the curb. But yeah. with that said, um, yeah, 19, I, I thought it was pretty good. Uh, I, I, I like the, you guys mentioned it, the, you know, the kind of tie-ins with Grayson. While there is one thing, if I had, a, I do have someone of critique of that, and I think we'll kind of, I'll wait to the end to say it. I just like how, you know, basically, which turns out to be the major rev- uh, uh, revolution in the story, starting with nineteen. You know, that is like how we all kind of kind of go back to Grayson at the book with you know Spiral and Helena and whatnot. So that's where I was kind of was in going into nineteen. Well, I have a question for Terrence. Um, since you haven't been reading Grayson, did issues nineteen and twenty make sense to you? Um, like some of the things didn't. I didn't know what they were, but like those, uh, the costumed, um, uh, girls, like, I'm like, who are they? But it, it, it didn't like take me totally out of it where I had no clue what was going on. It, it like the story made sense. Um, but for me, I, I, I found it not very interesting. Um, 
I, I kind of thought the series kind of dipped in quality here. Now, maybe if I was reading Grayson and uh, maybe I wouldn't feel that way, but I was kind of really being an old school kind of uh, Azrael fan, kind of really interested in the whole, you know, St. Dumas aspect of everything. And that has been completely absent in the, those, these five issues we'll talk about. And a lot of this whole possessed kids, mother, uh, it just kind of, I don't know. It didn't really captivate me. I was I was a lot more interested earlier in the the series. Um, and just a, a quick side, I looked it up. That artist Paul, uh, which I'm going to say his last name. Ian, how do you say it again? Pedaliri or yeah? Did do we lose Ian? No, he he said he'll be right back. Well, oh okay, I'll that out. yeah. Okay, no problem. Um, he did a uh, series back in the 90s that I used to like called Superboy and the Ravers. I don't know if you guys ever heard of that, where there's like intergalactic cosmic partiers when raving was a big thing. <laughs> it's like the, the most 90s uh, comic you could get, um, Superboy and the Ravers. But his artwork in that was pretty good. Um, so, But yeah, for me, I don't want to be the Debbie Downer of the series, but I I... I, I I did not enjoy these um, issues as much as I enjoyed the other issues. And by the time I got to 22, it kind of felt like I was doing my homework as opposed to, you know, reading something for enjoyment. Yeah. I Did that I, change for you at 22 and 23? Uh, I haven't read 23 yet, but 22, it was really like I picked it up, read a page, put it down, picked it up, read another page. It, it took it. It took a lot to get through 22 for me. It just it just wasn't captivating me. It just seemed like a lot of filler and a lot of like, I don't know. It it didn't seem like really, really great, interesting storytelling for me. It just seemed like, um, I don't know, very cliched kind of. Um, I feel like I've read this story or seen this movie many, many times before kind of thing. Huh, that. That's very similar to what I've been reading because I, I read a couple of reviews of the Eternal series regularly, and some of them really love this series, this like five issue stretch, and some of them really didn't. And I'm wondering how many of those are because a lot of the emotional impact comes from being really keyed into all the other books, and so if the people who didn't like it weren't reading as much, which I would say is a weakness because this is supposed to be a standalone series, but as someone who is pretty much reading everything except Midnighter that I think ties into this, I loved these five issues pretty much. Well, I wasn't as big on 21, but I, I'm kind of the same way. I'm, I'm right in the middle. There are parts in all of these that I really, really enjoyed. Uh, 22 um, has a really, a really great line from Bruce Wayne with Damien that we'll get into. Oh man, um, I can't wait. Yeah. But there were parts of that that I was like, all right, I feel like we're just dancing around the bush. Okay, we're trying to figure out what Batman's doing. All right, you know, um, I know we're still talking in 19, but I, I can see what you're saying about uh, 22, Terrence. But, uh, well, and, and I'll just say, like, for me, since I'm not reading Grayson and I don't know, like, there is no emotional impact of the school being destroyed and seeing certain people in jeopardy, you know. It, it wasn't there for me. And then 20 ends with this great reveal of uh, Damian Wayne coming in saying the real Robin is here to fix it. And then you open up the next issue and he's not in it at all. It's all a flashback to mother's origin. And then you get to 22 and here's Damian Wayne. And he's basically just a passenger on a plane who tells some sort of 
little meaningless kind of flashback with Batman that's not really that interesting. So it just kind of, I don't know, that that was kind of a letdown. I thought, I, I don't know, I, I was I was hoping for more to ha- to have a big reveal at the end of a you know an issue, and then it just kind of fizzle in the next two. I th- I thought it was kind of weak. Well, I, I I said I was gonna wait to the end, so I might as well just bring it up now. Don't go for it. <laughs> yeah. Shoot. Since we're talking about Grayson, and, and like I said, I love how we're reaching, always kind of referring back to Grayson. All right, for those who are reading Grayson, might feel a little bit my confusion as well. Who else is reading Grayson? I am. I, I'm a couple. I'm reading behind. Grayson. Okay, yeah. so you know right now his relationship with Helena is definitely not anywhere near. It's and, not doing so well. No. Yeah, exactly. So basically how it could potentially work out. You can be reading one issue of Batman and Robin Eternal, be reading the issue with Grace at the same time, and just the background between the two are polar opposites. Because right now he is not getting along with Helena. That's just, I think that's putting it pretty mildly. Yeah. Same thing with Mid- yeah. Midnighter. <laughs> Midnighter as well. So if you kind of read all those – and then you're reading Batman and Robin Eternal. It just seems the relationship is it's out of context. Well, I mean, the timeline of the of DC right now is super confusing because Batgirl no. is before <laughs> this, and Grayson is after this, and I have no idea where Batman is supposed to be happening. Oh yeah, yeah. That's that was something that I I think Terrence and I had talked about it on the other podcast that. When you have multiple characters in multiple books and each one is telling their own specific story, it can get really confusing. Like, okay, Batman and Robin is supposed to be this contained thing, but technically parts of the seeds are in Batgirl, but that was ahead of time. And then part of this happens, you know, after the Robin War. And with some parts, you know, it's just kind of like I, I shouldn't feel like I need to read 52 books in order to understand this captivated story but the seeds for everything else are kind of planted so being behind in Grayson I would read an issue of like 19 that I'd have to go um, I'm two issues behind on Grayson so then I'd read those two issues and go oh okay well now that that makes a little bit more sense I never really liked having to do that with a book unless you're specifically tying in all of the books and everything is in all continuity. So that, that was always a hard thing as a comic book fan to try and decide, you know, like, well, this is going on in detective, but it really has no bearing on what's going on in Batman. So I'm just going to have to turn that switch off in my head and just pretend it's not there. But in this case, unlike the first eternal, you kind of needed some of these other books to fill in some gaps or to at least know where to where the character's motivation. And somebody like uh, Red Hood and Red Robin, reading Red Hood and the Outlaws and Teen Titans doesn't help you at all because they're... Yeah, I don't think you need to read those to understand Batman and Robin Eternal at all. Yeah. And, and I, I get this. Because I haven't been. <laughs> I think another reason why I didn't really like these five issues as much, too, is... You know, I was really liking a lot the, uh, I was going to say digging, but that sounded very 70s. I was really digging the, <laughs> in the beginning, all the flashbacks to the um, Dick Grayson era as Robin. And those are kind of over in here. And then it, there's kind of, I don't know, I just felt kind of hollow about stuff. Because in the beginning, you're kind of like, well, why is Batman kind of going down this 
path that he's going on with exploring a new partner with mother and all this stuff, you, you kind of figure it's probably to take her down. But you're you're wondering. And then the reveal was kind of like, oh, well, you know, he was just doing it all to get to mother. Well, why couldn't he have told, you know, Dick Grayson that? Like, why did he have to, you know, make Dick Grayson feel like crap and, and unworthy as a partner to pull that off? He could have said, hey, here's the plan. I'm going to pretend to get all angry at you. And then, you know, so that was kind of weak. And then in issue 20, I mean, by this time we know about Rebirth is coming and we know the the news has been leaked that we're going to have a Nightwing series. And I just and we'll talk about it maybe more in depth when we get to it. Just that reveal of like, oh, yeah, there's this satellite out there that Bertinelli has and it'll wipe everyone's mind and you can be Nightwing again. Just felt kind of hollow and it took the forever evil, uh, you know, it, it, it of the unmasking of Dick Grayson because I was kind of like well how are they going to bring it back or will people know his identity and now it's just like oh just giant satellite wipes everyone's mind back to square one all that forever evil stuff really doesn't matter um, well I, so, I have to say I personally everyone disagrees with me that I've talked to this about but I really don't think they're actually going to do that I think they're going to have to do it some other way because this feels to me like the kind of misdirect that like to say oh we could do it this way and then they do it a completely different way i hope you're right because this way it just kind of felt a little hollow to me so even if they don't i think the misdirect kind of added to feeling a little hollow about it and i guess we'll have to wait and see how things play out with the rebirth um and they may just do something completely different who knows but um i don't know I mean, that's so interesting because I actually loved that reveal, not because I think that's a good way to bring Dick back, but because it was such a, a strong moment between Helena and Dick. And especially in the first year of Grace, and that was such a, a powerful relationship between the two of them. So that moment was really, it meant a lot to me as a reader of Grayson. Um, but I think there we have an example of maybe a failure in the writing because they didn't ever really show that Helena and Dick meant something to each other in this series. Yeah. And that also brings up the, the whole, like this is a good example of painting yourself into a corner and going crap. Well, we want to bring Grayson back. How, how are we possibly going to explain it? Well, it's a satellite. So then my next question, he goes, why didn't Bruce know? Sell your marriage to the devil. Yeah. Why didn't Bruce know about the satellite instead of, you know, beating the tar out of him in the bat cave for an entire, the final issue of grace and, or Nightwing to say, you need to be tougher. You need to be stronger. I'm going to beat the crap out of you. So you learn to get this. You allowed your, you know, mask to be taken off. And then, Oh, by the way, there's this satellite that I could just plug into. I mean, granted it's, we're talking a year later, but um, that that's always one of those things that like oh we killed a character okay we we want to bring him back so we got to find a, a weird way I always kind of feel like when I saw the satellite thing I was like oh it's going to be a satellite and what happens when somebody hijacks the satellite so if something like that happens I'm seriously <laughs> going to roll my eyes that well they- I think that's probably why they don't have Bruce know about it because maybe <laughs> he's learned something from OMAC now yeah who knows. So <laughs> it's Batman. Are you kidding me? He never learns yeah, anything. <laughs> right, right, exactly. Uh, so, I mean, uh, the biggest part about 19, it's um, uh, a fight inside the school, and we've got uh, Red Robin and uh, Harper and Cass all be being infected uh, by the, the signal that's going out. And um, 
I want to tag onto your thing that you just said about uh, the flashbacks really quick. Uh, but having uh, the teens having to put on the uh, basically a fear mask to uh, have to get into the, the fear state to kind of overcome the uh, the control from the signal that's going on. And the thing that I want to tag on to yours uh, thing you mentioned about the flashbacks, I really missed that. I thought that was a a really strong point of the series that you kind of got almost reminded me of Arrow in some ways. Here's what Oliver was doing on the island, and then that correlates and parallels to what's currently going on. And I felt that that they took part of the heart out of the book, out of these uh, five issues. That I that the part I was really kind of let down about. But um, yeah, my overall thoughts on 19. Um, I thought it was it was a decent story, kind of let you know that there's some way to kind of. Uh, overcome the the fear or the uh, the mind control state with the fear toxin and then trying to figure out okay how are they going to um, get that out in mass quantities to be able to uh, save as many children as they possibly can and then it kind of ends which I think Ian you talked about it the last time is Harper and Cass kind of going uh, at it together that um, I was half wondering is that the a mind control in uh, Harper taking over, or is that mind control and you killed my mother taking over? So that's the last question I wanted to ask uh, you guys before we roll on uh, to 20. Ian? Well, I think that um, is a combination. I think it's the fear toxin, because we see the vision of Cass as this like blade-fingered monster. And then she says, um, you killed my mother... What, what does she say exactly? Oh, no, she doesn't say that. She just um, says it's our greatest fear, uh, and then she wants to kill Cassandra. So yep. I think it's a combination of the fear and the mind control. Like the, She's definitely not in full possession of her, her faculties. Yeah. Mind control plus fear toxin, not a good mix. <laughs> not a good combo to have at the bar. Uh, Luke? <laughs> yeah, I think that's... Uh it's an interesting premise, I man. I think yeah, I'm pretty much on board with you. It's just like you go from one extreme to the other. You know, you, you've got the mind control and you really have, you know, kind of like no control of your faculties in your mind. But then you go from the fear toxin, which basically does the same thing where you don't really, you have more control in your mind at that point. But as far as, you know, your surroundings, it really just, I just I I gotta give that team credit for that because that's an interesting concept. Now that said, you I mean yeah you you mitigate the effects of the mind control with the fear toxin, but now you're just got a total different beast you gotta deal with, you know? Because that's what I love too. Like I, I believe I was that issue. That's where we have like the cool, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Illusions, like the psychedelic yeah. illusions. Yeah, that that's. Yeah, you're obviously not in the right place either. So I mean, see, I, I got to get the team right. It's an interesting concept. There we say gutsy because I mean, I mean that's obviously something new and fresh, which I enjoy. But that said, yeah, odd. <laughs> yeah, and, and then, I piggyback on what Luke said. I think the uh, illusions, I guess we we'll call them, um, from the fear gas was probably the best, or at least most interesting part of the story for me that I thought, and I really like the fact that like um uh harper is kind of overcome by them 
but Dick is I'm not Dick, I'm sorry, Tim is so like strong that he is experiencing them, but he can recognize what they are and still like power through. And there's like a scene where he's like all sweaty and everything. And he's like, but there are still side effects. And you see like through his eyes, like Grayson and everybody looks just like these horrible fly bug monster Mm -hmm. kind of creatures. But yet he's, he's so strong willed. He's like powering through that. I thought that was pretty awesome. Yeah, I totally agree. I think that, I wasn't a huge fan of issue 19, but I did think that the writing for Tim was especially strong. Like, he was the one who came up with the solution, and he had the mental discipline to keep cooperating, even though he was terrified, because he was mainlining fear of hallucinogens. <laughs> right, yeah, definitely. All right, well, I think uh, we've... Uh Beat 19 with the five uh, issues <laughs> long enough. <laughs> oh, let's uh, run into uh, 20 here. Uh, 20 for me uh, was the issue, and we've already talked about the cover with uh, Grayson looking uh, all pissed off. I'm just kind of really, you know, it's the cliche, ooh, everybody looks dead on the front cover, and there's only one standing, knowing full well this wasn't going on. Uh, the color I think pal- part of the problem is just, yeah, the color, what you're just mentioning is so... Red and white, kind of bland. Yeah. It's just really kind of blah, you know. I mean, could I do better? No, probably not. But you know, it it is what it is. It it doesn't didn't feel like mu- as much thought was put in. Like the last three covers are absolutely beautiful. Um, and when those uh, appeared online, you've probably seen them on the Facebook page. You know, they were in full high res. And I think Ian, you were like, "Where did you get these from?" You know. Those are really good, and this does not fall into that category. Uh, but 20 for me, this was the one, Terrence, that I read a couple pages, sat down, came back, read a couple more. Um, I, re- I reread this twice, and I, I was still kind of like, okay, sh- shouldn't really something happen in this one other than the final couple pages in here and them getting through... Uh, the fear toxin state and every all the teens are kind of oh okay we we've beat it. Um, other than the Nightwing reference and seeing Damien in the last page, I was kind of like, okay, that was a, a disappointing read on at least on my part. Did anybody else uh, have that, uh, Luke? Uh, not really. I mean, twenty twenty, I thought was good. If I had to kind of critique. Not really. I'm going to say critique. Uh, it's. I just thought 19 and 20, and a little bit of. Uh, not really necessary 21, but either way, it just felt like there's a lot of fighting going on at the school, and it just kind of trudged on for a while. You know, what I mean, it's just like, yeah, the the kids are going crazy and attacking everybody, and maybe that could have been done just in one issue. But while I enjoyed it, I did feel, as I was reading, like, yeah, I, it did get kind of drawn out a little bit. Yeah. That kind of makes sense. Yeah. Uh, Ian? I actually – it's funny. I was not big on 19, as I said, but I loved 20. So I actually could see your point. Like, I do feel like maybe between them there's one story. Um, but for me, the weight of that story was concentrated in 19 – I mean, in 20. And so – for me, 20 felt like it was structured like a classic action horror type zombie attack mm-hmm. 
where you have it starts with the teacher and one of the students. Like I think the students like supposedly a bit older, so she's not affected by the mind control. And so you have that thread, and then you have Dick, Tim, and Doctor Nets, and uh, uh, Helena, Hello. and they're going to the going down the elevator shaft to turn to save the day. And then you have Jason trying to rescue Cassandra and Harper, and you have these going back and forth and like the way it builds each to this like impossible situation. And then it's able to, there's like this relief when Tim is able to uh, throw the switch and, and get everything out. Like that felt really tense. And then the, the relief when Tim saves the day is just really well done. I think <laughs> I do. I did like the hello darkness. You did it. Mr. Robin. <laughs> oh man. Dr. Nats in this issue, her voice was hilarious. Yeah, just I, calling him Mr. Robin and yeah, making I, Nazi. Like I want to do weird experiments on you. Yeah. I, I, I did like that. I, I think it was just all that was going on. Um, I think this was a, a live action movie or an animated movie. I think it would have flowed a little bit better but as far as like all the things that you just pointed out with you had three different teams doing three different things that I I don't know it, it felt like it just drug on like it this could have been 19 and 20 could have been one issue that could have told a, a really uh, kick-ass issue but I felt like we we drug it out just about 24 pages too long I thought so um, Terrence your thought on 20 yeah same thing um wasn't horrible i'm not like oh i hate this issue yeah, but there yeah. was wasn't anything where i was like oh this is such a key moment everything just seemed to be drawn out you know the fight uh at the school seemed to be drawn out from issue 19 and kind of going on and it was like you know tim's gonna solve it you know and, and just get to it already uh the stuff with uh harper upset at cassandra for killing her mother which i gotta say this whole series i'm on cassandra's side harper's mother was yeah and father where they were stealing like copper out of a building they were criminals they got what they deserved they were like that kid in cairo he should have been killed <laughs> oh man harper's so mother man we're back Just, to that kid <laughs> yeah cassandra you took care of him yeah Frank Castle would approve. Um, and and that, that got drawn out and wasn't uh, kind of uh, resolved. And then um, the one thing, the art I thought was pretty solid. It's kind of hard to draw in an elevator shaft there. It's kind of a confined space. Mm-hmm. So, it, um, But um, I hate the way the Red Hood's helmet looks in this issue. Oh, yeah. And throughout the whole series, it's been very inconsistent. Like if you open up to the page – that's got Helena falling down the elevator shaft, and and the red hood is uh, hits uh, Harper, and it says like "womp" right by where he hits her. Yeah. And you compare his hood there to the cover of nineteen, it doesn't even look like the same character. It looks like um, uh, the Red Tornado or something. And and I just don't know. I thought they had models of what like characters should be and you would think i understand facial features being different from one artist to another and whatnot but you think a helmet they could like have can pretty consistent in the same series or between books and it's i don't know to me it's been very inconsistent red hood until we get to issue 22 two yeah oh my gosh was it three no it's three three yeah helmet in 23 is crazy looking um i wanted to ask you this question uh, Luke, since uh, Red Hood is your favorite, um, he has been the most inconsistent this entire run. Uh, he has been in three different costumes. 
mm-hmm. in this. Uh, his DCYOU costume, uh, the costume before that, and then an amalgamation of the two in literally uh, three separate books all right in a row. So I kind of wanted your take on, you know, uh, being a fan, not that I'm not a fan of the character, but, you know, I would, uh, being a Red Robin fan, if I saw those changes in my favorite character or just any character in general, that would really annoy me. So I just kind of wanted to get your take on uh, what you thought of his his character overall in the series, just design-wise, too. Design-wise, yeah. I always buy I always look at the hood, obviously, because that's like the signature if you're looking for a red hood. It's like, where does the hood look? Yeah, I mean, what's the what's the appeal to it? Or the that's not the right word. What's the design of the hood? And anytime I see a mouth on the hood, I just <laughs> kind of shake my head. It's like no, because it's not, and it's that's not. You almost want to go look at Arkham Knight. Yeah, that that's that's the way it is. I mean, it's literally just a red mask. I mean, I, do I necessarily have an issue with the nose and the eyes? The eyes a little bit too. I, I don't know. It's just when well, you make it look like too much like the Jim Carrey mask, Yeah. that's why I kind of have a problem. That's where, unfortunately, a lot of you see, especially in this this issue or in this series. Now, i got to actually take a look at you know, Red Hood Arsenal that was just released this issue uh, this week. I can't remember. They're gonna have too much of a gripe, but th- that's my problem. It- it's a minor gripe, but but if you look at it, it's just. It- I think it's more important. It's like there's no there's no facial expressions with it. It's just supposed to be just a red mask. When you when you associate like I said eyes and nose and mouth, you almost want to say it's kind of, it's capable of showing emotion. Maybe I'm taking this way too far out, and this is why. I- but I think this is why I think it's important with the, the design of the hood is that in the heart of um, Red Hood's character, emotion's supposed to be taken out of it. You know, I mean, there's really no supposed to be emotion. It's real, just you know, direct and obviously be able to do stuff that you know Batman won't do. But in doing that, you have to take out emotion to it. And just when you have a facial design and a mask, that implies to me emotion kind of like a, a definition or a, a, a gate or something that's going to prohibit Jason from being Jason. And that's just on, to me, on the, I think, the physical uh, designs that we've seen in the series. I'm not going to go into some of the, the facial designs because I think some of them, especially I think it was in issue 20 where the, I thought the facial, I couldn't even, I was like, that's Jason? It's just some of them, I thought his even at Dick Grayson too, but I thought yes, that that happens to me at multiple artists. But my, my main gripe is the mask. Yeah, that makes sense. Cool. Uh, any final thoughts for twenty before we uh, jump over to twenty one? Well, I really loved uh, Roge Antonio's art. I mean, this is sort of like just in general, I love this issue. But I thought that a big part of it was Roge Antonio. He has a very clean design sense. Like it's a little more cartoony looking. But everyone's like very recognizable. They're very consistent. They're very appealing. Like, remember back with uh, Scott Eden's art, and there was that one issue <laughs> yeah. where it was clearly finished by someone else, and they looked like they're like clay face in the process of transforming to yeah, someone. Yeah, yeah. So there's none of that here. Ever there was just clean lines, really like appealing faces. Um, 
And it's just, I thought the storytelling was really like a, like an action movie where we had multiple things going on and it all leads to the same climax. And then the scene where Dick and Helena talk about the satellite, I thought was, it was really moody. Like there's a lot of great shadows. And so I think that, um, Tim Seeley and Roger Antonio really worked well together. I hope both of them get really good books coming into rebirth. Yeah. Yeah. I do too. All right. Uh, let's jump to 21. And, uh, I missed book going, you know, there was no flashback. This is an entire issue of a flashback. And by our lead penciler, who has been absent for most of the series, <laughs> Tony S. Daniels. Is he really a lead penciler? Well, I, he was touted as being the lead penciler, but uh, not really. <laughs> uh, it's a beautiful issue, and um, regardless of what I think of the story, um, I've always said I can I can forgive a loose story if the art is really good. But if you put a great story with crappy arting, arting, with crappy art, you're going to lose me right away. This is a beautiful uh, issue to look at. The front cover is really good. Uh, seeing Batman front and center there with uh, Cassandra and then uh, Harper's, I believe it's Harper's mother on the ground. So uh, I thought it was just a beautiful cover. What'd you guys think of this, uh, Terrence? Yeah, you know the art. I have. Um Mixed emotions. I'll say the cover and the art. I, I thought the art was really co- cool on this cover. Um, and I thought the art, like Tony Daniel, I think is by far, at least in my opinion, the best artist um, on the series. And he's definitely one of, you know, the top artists in DC Comics. You know, he did Justice League. And I mean, he's he's right up there. Um, I felt, though, his art was kind of wasted on this because I feel like... He does action best, and even though it looked great, I didn't feel like there was a lot of action in this. It was right. a lot of like Bruce Wayne standing with a jacket over his shoulder in the wherever he was, the French Alps or wherever. And so, even though there were some really cool scenes and some really cool artwork, I almost felt like Ugh, I wish someone else had done this and they'd given him maybe one of these action. And I realized time-wise and stuff, maybe it just didn't fall out but i would have rather seen tony daniel do some of the action in the uh fight at the uh spiral school as opposed to the uh flashback to nazi germany and bruce wayne you know pretending to go on vacation yeah uh ian well i'm actually i was not a fan of the cover um for a couple of reasons number one um i thought cassandra's face looked really weird um, okay. She looks like a little boy instead of a, a girl. And uh, I know he was going for like, this is Cassandra five years ago when she was 11 or so. But it doesn't look like Cassandra as Tony Daniels drawn her before. So it was jarring. The second reason is, and this is a problem with a lot of comic covers, um, especially when you have something that is scheduled so tightly as a weekly this has almost nothing to do with what happened in the comic. Right. Cassandra doesn't even appear. She's mentioned in one line. Um, they talk about her, her murder of Harper's mother, sure, but they never show her at all in this comic. And so the comic cover just doesn't work for me um, for those two reasons. Gotcha. Luke? He stole the words right out of my mouth. If there's, <laughs> if there's anything I 
with covers when they're misleading. That's just something that just really kind of just really puts me in a in, in a bad mood. It's because like, like I said, it's it could be executed so well, but it's like because what if it's something you you see the cover and that's really what you expect? Like I'm gonna make a deliberate decision to buy this book based off the cover, and then when you read it, it's like, wow, it was nothing like that. Right. I really should have picked something else. But either way, this one, well, I did think it was really well done. It was yeah, definitely a misleading cover. <laughs> it was kind of a bummer. I mean, if I I am a fan of Cassandra Cain, but she's not my favorite character. But if this was like if issue 23, which features Stephanie Brown on the cover, if I'd picked that up and she was mentioned in one line. And she didn't appear. I would. I would feel gypped. I'd feel ripped off. Yeah, I could see that. Um, I do. I loved. Uh, I think I said before in the beginning of the podcast. Uh, some of my favorite parts are the flashbacks of getting to see uh, Dick Grayson, Robin, and Batman fighting side by side. And you had wondered, you know, are we ever going to see some earlier battles? And you get to see uh, him them take on the Joker and the Penguin. And the Deadshot, the image of Deadshot, Batman, and Robin in the uh, upper left-hand panel is just beautiful. And the uh, middle uh, middle splash pages, if you call it that, of Batman and Robin kind of fighting some robots here are really pretty cool. So, like you said, Terrence, as far as action goes, that's it. It's jacket over the shoulder, Bruce Wayne walking into um, a, a vacation place, and then... Uh, just kind of getting uh, mother's uh, backstory and kind of what's going on. Well, there's a lot of violence in the yes, backstory. A lot of violence, a lot of bloody knives and uh, bloody clothing and bloody girls in this uh, issue. I uh, kind of want to kick it over to you, Terrence, kind of what your um, overall uh, take is on this and some story points for us. Well, I have mixed feelings about mother's backstory. Um, part of me thinks like, well, maybe we shouldn't have got her backstory. Maybe she works better as a character if she's mysterious. I know, Rob, we've talked on the uh, Everybody Loves the Drake podcast about how you like the Joker better when you don't know his origin, you don't know his background. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if Batman v Superman, if he turns out to be one of the Robins, you're, you're not going to like that. You like the mystery. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I wonder, I, I think Mother might work better. Um, the, the story was a okay... But still, it's just kind of like, okay, so this made her, you know, a crazy killer, kind of how. And then she's got some kind of healing factor, which they don't explain that. So to me, the biggest mystery or secret about her still hasn't been revealed. And then it's kind of... When I first read it, it was kind of cool that this old lady who tells Bruce the story, then mother comes out and stabs her right as soon as he leaves. But then you think, like, really? What was she hiding the whole time? How did she know Bruce was coming? It just, it kind of like, if you start to pick at it, I think it falls apart a little, a little bit. Um, uh, so, um, and then it kind of also gave us more that Harper Row was more than just um, some. You know, you know, person um, that Bruce bumped into, it gives her a lot more backstory. And I did really like, you know, um, Batman, you know, threatening Harper's father and kind of scaring him straight. I thought that was a really that that scene, even though it was at the end, was kind of really engrossing. What I don't understand from this is how, you know, um, in the end, like the setup in this in the beginning like if you go back to batman and robin eternal number one was kind of like oh batman shoots someone 
and this is his greatest mistake that he had to erase the file. And I'm like, well, why would he erase this file? Like, it, it, it's just not holding up to me uh, to think like, oh, this was such a thing that he's got to erase it and hide it from all the Robins. And this is his deepest, darkest secret. Um, I just, you know, I, I didn't get that. Um, and maybe someone else feels the opposite of me, and that's fine. But for me, I, I just didn't, I just didn't get that. I've been wanting to pick your brain on this, Ian. What, what's your take on this? Well, I I actually tend towards the, the opinion that Mother worked better without necessarily knowing her backstory. And so the whole Bruce goes to talk to this old woman who knew Mother as a kid, or sorry, as a young woman, that didn't... I didn't care either way. I thought it was well done, but I didn't care. I did like the parts at the beginning and the end where he's talking to himself about Harper um, and and the way you see his confrontation with mothers really made him question his choice to take on young partners and um, some of the reviews I was reading said they were like really mad that Batman just sort of left Harper out to dry after her mom was killed um, as a direct result of him playing games with Mother. Yeah. And I thought this issue provided a really good answer to that objection. Um, you may question his decision, but I think his motives were pure. He didn't want Harper... He, he did not want to be Mother, taking young people and turning them into copies of himself. Um, so I thought that was actually the strongest part of this issue, the way it handled... Harper and Batman's relationship. Yeah. Uh, Luke? I I loved it. And the reason why is it it really does the theme of how close in concept Batman and Mother are, it's just really interesting. And and I kind of look at it through this perspective. But both were obviously born through tragedy. And you really see basically how both, you know, based what they do and what they chose to do as far as, you know, in society or worldwide based on that tragedy. But while that is similar, you see how different they took that approach. Obviously, Batman taking it for good and then Mother taking it obviously for bad. Mm-hmm. And it's just how you basically can – while it's just – I just love that. And, and just really this issue I thought was just – for the bulk of it, just a study of that. While well, how how similar Mother's origin really is. I mean, even down to the shooting of the parents in an alley. I mean, it's just drawing that parallel between the two. And while they may be so alike in that regard, but they can be so different in, in the outputs. Like it's like an input's the same, but the output is totally different in their lives. Which I just really enjoyed that aspect reading this issue. And I think that made made the I don't want to say that the the switch maybe in how Bruce viewed views Dick of like I have a partner. There's no need to even go, even though the it was a facade and a, a charade that he sees the danger in doing what Mother is doing. Like you you said it perfectly. He doesn't want to be going going down that road and can see the dangers of bringing somebody young in here and how important it is to mold Dick in the right way so 
he doesn't make a mistake with Dick, and then he goes through the long line of getting partner after partner, which, ironically, that happens to him <laughs> anyway, which um, I, di- I did like that aspect of the story, is, is seeing the, the parallel in the two, that their end results still end up being the same. One was for good, and one was for the great, or one was for bad, and one was for the greater good, that each of the Robins turned out to be better than mother's own you know prodigies were so if there's no further thoughts there um for the sake of time let's go right into 22 this is by far my favorite cover uh so far all the robins no really really (laughs) uh and i did want to say this initially when we saw the first initial like synopsis of what's going on we kind of got the feeling, I think maybe I said this once before, that uh, I was afraid that, oh, Tim Drake isn't apparently going to be a a big character in this, and Red Robin doesn't appear to be either. Um, I felt like that was kind of misleading. Like, all of the Bat family is pretty well, all they made as far as the Robins go, with the exception of Damien, have all had really good, solid story beats, and uh, it was nice to see an issue devoted to all four Robins, now, like you said, uh, Luke, picking up an issue and going, wow, you know, I, I can't wait to see this. We've got Goliath flying in here, and I wonder what's going on here. Uh, this is just Knights of the Robin table <laughs> uh, <laughs> having a discussion. I I enjoyed the discussion, and we kind of see uh, what ends up happening to uh, Mr. Kane uh, towards the end here. Uh, the bit that I liked that I kind of alluded to and that uh, I put on the Facebook page is one of my favorite lines um, of the series and probably a line of of all of the Robins and how Bruce views them is, I'm just going to read it uh, verbatim here, my job isn't to train to make make you make the same decisions I would make. My job is to catch you uh, until you decide for yourself. I thought that is was a really cool moment that he, you know, he has with Damien and then, you know, Damien's kind of, you know, relaying that, uh, back to them that kind of re inspires, uh, Dick and the rest of the team. Um, I just thought that really encapsulates Batman and Robin that he's, he's there as a mentor and has never once wanted Dick to think, okay, you have to do this exactly like I have to do. He's thinking, I want you to make the best decision you possibly can and don't think what decision that I necessarily would make, but each of the Robins would look at it and go, what would Batman do in this uh, scenario? That was my takeaway from this. It was just a lot of talking. Not a whole lot happens, but as as far as a, a Batman and Robin moment, I really enjoyed this. So I'll kind of throw it out to you guys. Uh, Ian, what was your take on 22? 22, I thought, was a really good issue. It is very talky, but I tend to like talking issues. Um, I thought that Fernando Blanco's art is not as, like, friendly-looking as Roger Antonio's art in number Mm. 20 was. It's it's kind of cold, and that's partly the coloring, but it's also, he's very, he's got more angular lines, but it's very, like, strong. Like, there's no sense that he's not in control of the character designs and their faces. So everyone feels very strong to me. Um, I I really like that scene you pointed out between Damien and Batman, where Batman says, I will never make a soldier, which is very interesting to me. And it's gotten a lot of pushback online. Like a lot of people are saying, no, this is so out of character. Bruce doesn't think this about the different Robins. But I 
I've read and listened to some of Genevieve Valentine's um, interviews about when she was writing Catwoman, and she doesn't really like Batman that much as a character. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I think that here she, as any good writer does, looked at a character and saw the best because she knows she's writing a Batman and Robin Eternal comic. She's not trying to take down a character that she might personally dislike, but she she shows what she thinks is the best part of Batman, and that is that he is a father who wants the best for his children, a father uh, or a brother who wants the best for his younger brothers. He is a mentor. He is not a general. He is not a um, brainwasher. He's not a dictator. Um, and so I thought that was really well done. I also really liked, it's got a very melancholy tone because they've just suffered a pretty serious defeat. They weren't able to stop Orphan. Two of their team members got kidnapped. Mother's plan is proceeding just as they plan, as she planned, and they have no way of knowing where she is or how to stop her. So there's, there's a real sense of darkness and defeat, which I think works really well with Valentine's style of writing. She's got a real edge to her dialogue. There's like these spikes between the characters that I think sometimes doesn't work. I didn't like it so much in her first two issues because I felt like people were being pointlessly mean to each other. Mm-hmm. But with the darkness, with uh, Harper and Cassandra being captured, and with Dick and the other Robins facing this incredibly dark moment, I think it worked really well. So I, I thought this was a really strong issue. Not to me as fun as Tim Seeley's number 20, but really good. Yeah. Uh, Terrence? Yeah, like I said, this this one for me was almost like homework, trying to get through it. And I picked it up and stopped and started for a while. And I don't know if it was this issue in particular or just per- perhaps I've kind of grown a little weary on this series and was um, I, I'm kind of over the whole um, Cassandra Kane uh, Harper Rowe um, thing here like I'm like either get to a conclusion with them or go to somebody else or come back to Stephanie Brown or give me more Damian Wayne um, but this this is just dragging on and I, and I wonder because the um, solicitation for the Batman and Robin Eternal trade paperback volume 2 is out and that collects issues 13 through 26. And in in the solicitation, it, it says uh, – I'm not going to read the whole thing. But then Batman's greatest failure is revealed, which I, I still don't see this as his greatest failure. But And then it says one of his allies may walk away from the fight forever. So I am wonder if that's Harper. And it says may, which – you know, may or may not, probably not. But still, I wonder Solicitations if solicitations always lie, man. <laughs> yeah. So you, you, you know, so um, I, I wonder where they're kind of going with the whole thing. But you know, um, it's probably a, a better issue than I give it credit for. It must have just been the uh, the frame of mind. I do, I did really like, and I thought it was a little out of character. But I, when Dick Grayson's like, maybe we've just lost. I was kind of that's kind of out of character for him, but I love, you know, uh, D- Damien just like punching him in the face <laughs> and shut up. We never lost like that. Is, yeah, I, I everybody hates Damien Wayne, but I love the I've loved him since Grant Morrison first introduced him, and I love him because he everyone hates him and and for this kind of stuff and just the the brash arrogant jerk who you just you just kind of. I don't know. You, I, I've always felt kind of like those characters. Um, so um, for that little Damian Wayne, I'll, I'll probably like rate this higher. But um, uh, you know, overall, I, I still feel like 
I still feel like the story is just moving along at a real snail's pace here. Um, and, and they're giving us a lot of filler to get to some big conclusion in, in 26, um, which probably will just be the heroes coming out victorious. So uh, I almost feel like we're, we're dragging our heels to get to an obvious conclusion. But maybe the conclusion won't be obvious and I'll be totally wrong. And maybe there's little things that they're planting here and there that I'll come back and I'll be like, oh, that was that. But then again, maybe I'm right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Luke. Uh, I love Damien and pretty much anything he's in. So I'm kind of when I heard that this is going to be a pretty heavy Damien issue. I got really excited. And while the message I thought was really great, and if you think about it, like, yeah, it makes sense. That the problem I thought of it was that it was kind of wishy-washy for Damien. I almost see this coming out of tim drake's mouth or grayson's mouth but just to hear it kind of come from from damien just felt a little bit out of character maybe he would approach it the other way another way but it just sounded a little too lovey-dovey for for damien he almost was want to hear him say you know just quit being a baby and just suck it up (laughs) right yeah i go when my father went so much and it's just it's a, the message was great. It just maybe just the person who said it just kind of seemed off. But yeah. Still good. And I don't know if some of that is playing into Batman being gone, Damien coming uh, from the other side of the world to be like, okay, what the heck's going on? Um, you know, I, I miss my dad, that type of thing. So I, I can kind of kind of see that. And he's, uh, yeah, I, I would I, I would agree with you. I see more Tim being the one that's trying to rally the troops together and pat everybody on the back. And I picture Damien having his sword, like, I'm going to go out and slit some throats if we don't figure out what's going on right now. Mm-hmm. So um, it what wasn't a horrible issue, but I, I'm I'm kind of in agreement with Terrence. Like, all right, we, we need to be moving forward here. We're we're down to our final four issues, and I, I feel like we're, we're still circling the wagons a, a little bit to some point. We get a little bit of information, and then we kind of – Fight, fight, fight. Little bit of information. Fight, fight, fight. So, well, before we move on to the last issue, I want to read a couple. I want to read the quote that we were talking about that Bruce yes. says, "My job isn't to train you to make the same decisions I'd make. My job is to catch you until you decide for yourself." And I think that while these issues are slower, especially numbers uh, twenty-one and twenty-two, they're slower, more character-focused. I think that's what ultimately is going to stick in fans' minds because uh, a lot of people are talking about how this whole mind-controlling children thing is very similar to Grant Morrison's Leviathan. Mm-hmm. And um, actually, it's kind of hilarious. I did some looking back at older comics from the early 2000s, and there's this series of about eight issues called Batman Family, um, which is confusing because there's a lot of series called that, but this one's a yeah. mini-series called Batman Family. I have And there series. is... There is a female villain who's friends with Bruce's mother, mm-hmm. and so she has this sort of maternal relationship with Bruce, and she is working on mind-controlling people, and, and Batman has to get all the Bat family together to fight it. So, like, I think what makes Batman and Robin Eternal distinct from stories like Leviathan and like Batman Family is this particular philosophical look at the difference between nurturing between catching someone until they choose their own path and taking away their choices until they only have your path. 
the the difference between Batman and Mother. I think that's really what's going to stick with this series. I I agree totally. I I think that's why I love that line so much, and what I think what makes a Batman as popular as he is. I mean, in one hand, yeah, Batman can can be the dictator. It's my way or the highway. But you know, in the back of his head, that he is looking out for the betterment of all of them. And if anybody's played the Arkham video game knows that in an instant, if he has to sacrifice himself for the greater good of his family, he is going to do that. So very well said with that. Let's go to 23. Our last book for the evening and, uh, another great cover and, uh, an image that happens right in this book. No, it doesn't. We don't even see midnighter in his costume. Um, it was great to finally see Stephanie Brown again, um, she's had just a little bit more screen time than uh, Damien has had. Um, this one, uh, I had felt like from the initial read, this is basically the preview image that we got um, about seven months ago now, practically, of all the panels of, you know, all the fighting and all the Robins uh, at war with all of the children. This was leading up to it. Now, I got to say, right off the bat, I read this one a couple times, and I went back to 19, trying to figure out where in the heck Midnighter came into this story at, and where Tim drops in from the room, um, (laughs) (laughs) through the doorway, and going, did I completely miss an issue somewhere, or is this clear back in Grayson that this happened? have I missed something? Can somebody help me on that one, Ian? No, I think they just jumped forward. They just um, they wanted to get past. They they had their character moment in twenty two, twenty three. We're just moving people, getting people together, and moving them around the world to fight the mobs. Um, I think that I don't know. I didn't have a problem following it because I I knew that Dick and Midnighter had that connection in Grayson, but. They never said specifically what happened. They didn't say they called him or whatever. Yeah, I I want to blame Terrence on this one. He wanted the story moved forward, and I think we moved forward two issues. <laughs> um, just just in you know a, as they're moving all the team around to the various parts of the world, I'm like, well, hey, we've got a hold of Batwoman. I was like, well, wait a minute, where did Batwoman figure into the story? And then there's Katana, and then there's Catwoman. And uh, we have, like, the entire Bat family is represented in here. And the only person that's missing that's uh, part of the good side at the moment is uh, Azrael. So, and uh, Duke Thomas is, is even here. So it Well, did, didn't you see the cover for, what was it, 24 or 25? Yeah. So, yep, Azrael's coming. Yeah I, yeah, I know he's coming, but it, it, at least in this point... Um, I didn't have a hard time following it as such. I just felt like there was this time jump of going, you know, I would have liked to seen somewhere in this issue of, you know, the meetings. I, I know that could have it could have been one of those that it would have drugged the story out to go see, you know, what Black Canary was doing. But at, at least a little bit rather than, hey, we're just going to put them up on the screen and we're going to give them a quick little blurb here. So that... That was my my takeaway from it. There, there wasn't a whole lot going on, like you said, Ian. It's more of like getting all the chess pieces in place, getting ready to make your final move, 
and that was my takeaway from 23. So I'm going to kick it out to you guys. Uh, Luke, what did you think of 23? 23, uh, one of my, my good buddies on YouTube, uh, Josh Hayes, kind of, he, he put in a, an, an excellent analogy. He kind of put, considered this as like the, the chess piece issue where really like, like the ending is coming. So this is just really just putting the pieces on the board kind of setting the conditions for the final three issues because really in reality nothing big happens but you're getting you're seeing like all the other bat members bat family coming in you see people putting out special emphasis hey i'm going here 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 and all that's so it's all good all you know good and stuff like that but it's really just setting the conditions you know putting the pieces on on the chessboard as we go into the final issue i thought the art was good for the most part actually actually really good yeah um I had to sit there as soon as I was I was reading it though I literally was like holy crap I was like there's spoiler I was like oh there she is yeah I've seen her forever but well yeah, I just I, I think I I'm gonna give credit to him but that's really I think up next analogy of this issue yeah definitely I'm just looking here all the cast members we have are Grayson uh, Duke Thomas Batgirl uh, Robin and Goliath Katana uh, Red Hood, Red Robin, Batwoman, Catwoman, and uh, Helena Bertinelli, and uh, Midnighter, and uh, Cullen uh, was interesting in this. So, uh, your thoughts, Ian? Well, you know, you know, my uh, focus was going to be on those those three pages in the middle of the book where <laughs> yes, Stephanie Brown's been assigned to guard the Scarecrow because they're afraid that Mother's going to try and wipe him out as a loose end, and so she's on guard duty, and. <clears throat> Scarecrow, being a terrible, terrible person, tries to say, oh, you're you're so bad, they don't trust you, you should join me, and together we will rule the galaxy. And, mm-hmm. and Stephanie's just like, <laughs> right, right, uh-huh, wait, were you trying to mess with me? Because it didn't work. And just her attitude and her her sass towards this supervillain was great. And um, as a fan of her run as Batgirl um, back in 2009, the first supervillain she faced was also Scarecrow. Mm-hmm. So seeing her face him again and beat him again, even though it wasn't a physical battle, like she beat his mind games. So that was really great. And then Jason pops in and says, oh, man, I'm so glad I got to hear that before the world ends. Like, <laughs> like to hear her appreci- appreciated by the Bat family is worth a lot to me as a, as a spoiler fan. Yeah, the these two pages... Uh, well, three pages. Uh, yeah, it's two pages. If you count the Batman versus Superman in the middle, um, is one of those like I. I really hope with Rebirth that we just don't wipe all of this out. That um, the dynamics between Red Hood and Red Robin have been very great uh, so far, as far as pairing those two together. Uh, the few moments we have of Stephanie Brown, especially in these two pages, that they could have easily written off as Stephanie Brown on, gu- on guard duty, and she kind of gets tricked by the Scarecrow, and Jason's got to come in and save her. They make her very strong, and, and it, I and one of the reasons why people really gravitated her before the new 52 started. Um, I thought she was very well uh, written in this and made me go, I would have really loved to seen more of her and not wait, you know, 15 issues before we get back to Stephanie Brown again. So yeah, seriously, uh, why couldn't she have been in this book more? I mean, to me, you could have gotten rid of the Harper Row character on, on some level. Um, or, 
put put the three of them together, Harper, Stephanie, uh, like they had ri- originally started when the series started. Get those three together, and there's your, you know, another buddy cop adventure you have going on. Uh, Stephanie is all but forgotten, so. I was happy to see her, and I hope with the last three issues that she has a prominent role in these last three issues. So um, that's the end of my final thoughts. I know Terrence was a little bit behind on this one, so I'd like to ask uh, his thoughts, and his thoughts are going to sound like this. And there they are. So um, I'll throw this out to everybody. Uh, I know this, is, this show has kind of gone along here with having five uh, issues to go through. But what are you guys, I'll ask each of you this question, what are you hoping uh, we will achieve by the end of these three issues here? Um, is it going to put it on a nice little bow or are these little plot threads that are going to filter out into a rebirth later on or um, the last thing I'm afraid of is this the last that we're going to see of some of these characters like Harper, Spoiler Red Robin or whoever so I'll just throw that out to your guys' thoughts as going into these last three issues let's start with you Terrence Uh, yeah the rebirth thing looms over this series and, and I'm you know, as a fan of DC Comics in the 90s and the early 2000s, when they did the new 52, uh, you know, a lot of my favorites disappeared. Um, and not only just in Batman, but characters like Wally West and Connor, uh, you know, Hawking, Green Lantern. And um, and I, 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 I'm starting to see in Rebirth some of these guys back, you know, we're getting John Paul Valley and Asriel back. And they're in little different forms, but we're still getting Stephanie Brown spoiler back. Which is pretty awesome, uh, you know. And now I'm like, oh, rebirth is it going to take them away again? So hopefully they'll they'll stick around. Um, I'm kind of kind of looking, you know, forward to this kind of concluding. I have a feeling that if I had this in trade paperback, it'd be kind of like my Watchmen trade paperback in that I never pick up my Watchmen trade paperback and read it from cover to cover or straight through. I'll pick it up and I'll read a you know a little bit and I'll read. I love the you know Rorschach journal entries, and then I'll skip this, and my like, oh, is Doctor Manhattan is a little you know skip that part, and oh I like this part, and I could see myself doing that with R- Batman and Robin Eternal, like oh I, I love this you know Batman and Dick Grayson Robin part, and oh this part I'll just kind of skip, and this is here and there, so I don't know if I'd read this cover to cover again, but there's definitely some scenes in it that I I I uh, you know definitely flip through. Those so hopefully the conclusion will be one of those things that I'd want to read because Watchmen I, I probably almost never read the conclusion <laughs> issue twelve is probably the weakest issue <laughs> yeah no you don't like the big salient space squid thing <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh, Ian what are your thoughts well I think it's really really good thought you have about will I read this story from begin to end and I have to say. I think I probably would read it every now and then. I definitely read it more than I would read uh, Batman Eternal, just because Batman Eternal is 52 issues. It's so much to try and read all at once. It's such a big story. This one feels more manageable. It's just two trades. Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel like it moves on pretty quickly if you're reading all at once. Like, I feel like maybe if you read like five issues at a time, you you'll see like the issue 22 which is all character you'll see it as sort of a break from all the action that's going on rather than sort of having to read it one week and that's all you get for the week you don't get any action 
so I think that together it will be a good story. Um, I still reread my copy of Batman Eternal number 52 quite a bit because um, it's, it's a really good issue. So I, I'm expecting the finale for this one, number 26, also be pretty strong. Um, I am really curious about the art for the final issue. because Carlo Carlo Pagulian is the guy who did the covers for number 22 and 23, and they were awesome. Uh, and he's also done a couple of covers. He did um, number 13 and number 10. Like, he did a bunch of covers, and they were all really good. And so I think his his art for the series, his, his art for the finale is going to be really good. But there's also, like, others listed, because it's going to be an oversized issue. So I'm really curious to see. I'm kind of hoping that Tony Daniel will do a couple pages to sort of, like, bring it full circle. Um, but I don't know. They haven't released that information yet. Yeah. Uh, Luke, your final thoughts here. Um, I, I think I, I'll definitely... You know, get the trade, and I'll reread this event just like I did uh, Eternal. Because it's stuff like this. It, it's good to actually. I, I would definitely recommend we get these events like this, even though Eternal was a little bit hard to fifty-two issues. But reread them if you can do it in trade. Definitely do it because you can kind of put stuff into perspective, even if you know what happened at the end. Go back and read it from the beginning, and a lot of stuff again you look at it in a totally different perspective or maybe must have missed something but it's like oh yeah i get what they're trying to say so i mean um and then you can kind of just as you know the ending kind of just watch it develop from the beginning and you kind of connect the dots like yep okay i got that oh man i really missed that you know back when i was reading it in single so i mean i always encourage if you can read reread these events and i'm just a batman stickler i mean i gotta have the trade so yeah i'm definitely gonna get it um as far as what am I expecting, I think I agree with you that uh, with you all that I think Tonius Daniel should have a pretty uh, prominent part in this uh, in the ending. I would like to see him do the actual final issue. Um, I kind of like going definitely. I think above and beyond anything else, I want this ending to be good. I don't want to sit there and go through a weekly event and the ending just like oh that's it and. Again, that's that just like all y'all, just that rebirth thing. It's just like uh, I just hope, and I guess really, what it comes down to. I don't want to have like a really great ending too. It's like man, that's sold, and like you can kind of see, you know, they kind of puts things in motions for the DC or the Batman universe here going in, and then rebirth comes and it just you know washes it all out. You're like, oh, I hope they don't do that. So that that's kind of what I'm expecting. A good good ending. Let's stick it. Doesn't have to be epic because this one I didn't enjoy the journey. Uh, but just make it sure, make don't have the ending be for naught, I guess. Yeah, that's kind of where I am. Um, I didn't buy the uh, first Eternal trade. I thought, well, I've already got the issues, and I bought 52 of them. I don't need to buy the trade. Um, I was kind of on the fence if I was going to get the trade for this, but I kind of think I might, rather than pulling out you know, 26 issues, um, doing like everybody loves the Drake, like Terrence and I are doing, pulling out a couple issues and oh, going, oh, that's pretty cool. But just to grab a book off the shelf and read it, I think this would be one that I would probably gravitate towards. I'd probably kind of in the middle, maybe like where Terrence is. I may not read every single page, but it would be one that I could see myself grabbing periodically and reading a lot of my favorite parts in it. So um, I'm with you. 
Luke, I really hope that we get a really great, you know, finale where you read the last issue and go, man, that's everything I wanted. But on the flip side of that, I don't want that to get me excited and then go into rebirth and go, oh, we just lost all the momentum we just had out of the series. So, um, this has been a really cool project to do, knowing that we're coming up to our seventh episode and our seventh month here doing this. So it'll be kind of cool to meet up again in a couple weeks. So once the last issue has come out, kind of see where our uh, thoughts all kind of converge. So um, if nobody has anything else here, I think this is where we're going to round out the show. I know that this episode went a little bit longer with five issues, so thanks for sticking with us. On the behalf of Terrence, Ian, and Luke, this is Rob, and thanks for tuning in to the BatmanUniverse.net specials, Batman and Robin Eternal Podcast. We will see you guys one more time next month. See ya. Take care. Thanks for listening to Batman and Robin Eternal Podcast. This show is part of the Batman Universe Specials and has been brought to you by the BatmanUniverse.net, your home for all things Batman. The thoughts and opinions are the thoughts and opinions of the four knuckleheads that are talking. What could they possibly know? They read comics for crying out loud. Batman and all related characters are under the copyright of DC Comics. All music and sound clips are under their respective copyright holders as well, and are used for illustrative purposes. So no lawyers need to get involved, as this show makes no money. Zero. Zilch. Nada. So no infringement is intended. If you want to get in touch with us, you can do so by going through our Facebook page, www.facebook.com slash Batman and Robin Eternal. Or in the search, you can type in Batman and Robin Eternal Podcast, and that will lead you directly to us. You can also leave a message over at the BatmanUniverse.net as the Batman Universe hosts this show, so I definitely suggest to go over there and peruse everything that the Batman Universe has to offer. You can leave a comment into the current episodes in the comment section. Or you can email me directly, Rob, at r10myers at yahoo.com. That's r 10 M-Y-E-R-S at Yahoo.com and title the message Batman and Robin Eternal or myself or Terrence or Ian or Luke will read the email in the show. Thanks for listening to the Batman Universe Specials production of Batman and Robin Eternal Podcast. We will see you soon. Take care.